0: Welcome to Life on My Terms, a podcast dedicated to helping you become the best version of yourself and take charge of your life. In the podcast, I sit down with experts in health and wellness all the way to relationship, career, and life advice. My goal for each episode is to empower you to be your best self become 1% better every day, and achieve everything you want in this thing called life. You can do this. Now it's time to believe in yourself and build your life on your terms. Let's go. Hello, welcome back to Life On My Terms. I hope everybody is doing fantastic. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this episode. because I have been following, um, tips with Tony on Instagram for a while. I'm always fascinated about the relationship that folks have with food. And even when I'm digging into burnout, there's always moments where we had an emotional eating episode or folks are literally going, um, days without eating, like in a control facet. And so I was following tips with Tony for quite a while. And then I realized that, um, part of putting yourself first is starting to think about food in a different way. And it's just, it's not, it can't be about another diet. And there's just so much information out there. There are so many shady influencers. There's just, so much like you should be on the keto diet you should be doing the carnivore diet and at the end of the day it's just let's let the experts take the lead so i am so excited to be chatting with tony Marinucci today a registered dietitian and business owner of diet tips with tony who ironically teaches people um not how to diet she teaches them not to diet so she is a podcast host a social media influencer a tedx speaker and number one best-selling author of the book once upon a diet where she discusses the parallels between dieting dating and romantic relationships and how we treat them are the same her team of rds provide online nutrition coaching to help women break free from the all or nothing mindset and encourage them to embrace balance. Instead, her mission is to end restrictive diet culture by providing simple tips to healthy living while incorporating foods you love. If that doesn't sound refreshing, I am not sure what does. So let's jump into the conversation. It is such a good one. Hi, Tony, How's it going today? It's going good. How are you? Thanks for having me here. Yay. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm a fan of all of your Instagram tips. And so now I feel like I can get more of your information to my listeners and I'm so excited. So... Tell them about who you are before we get into the today's subject.
1: Sure. So I'm Tony Marinucci. I'm a registered dietitian who ironically teach you, teaches people how not to diet. Um, I came from a big history of that cycle of overeating, undereating, trying to lose weight um, in all the extreme ways, excessive exercise, extremes, all the things. And I thought that the more weight that I lost somehow that would make me worthy of love and acceptance. And that story is not something that I just like woke up one day and was like, oh, I need to be smaller. It was consistently over time, I was, you know, I was always in a bigger body and I was told at a pretty young age, if I didn't lose the weight, I would never get a boyfriend. And I was made fun of about my weight. And so I was always made to feel like I wasn't enough because of my body size. And so unfortunately, that led to some really disordered eating patterns and behaviors. Now, fast forwarding a lot of years, you know, I decided I wanted to to go to school to become a registered dietitian. And, um, I wish I could say that that was what healed me. but if only if anything, it actually made my obsession worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then eventually, I realized, okay, like restriction isn't the answer. It's actually part of the problem. I really need to kind of get to the root of what is causing this poor relationship with food and my body and through working with, you know, on myself through therapy, journaling, all the things. And then also through counseling other women kind of break up with dieting. I started to notice this pattern and I was able to kind of break free from it. And now that's what we help other people do at Tips with Tony. So it's a very long um, answer to your question of who I am, but I think it's necessary to kind of set the tone for today.
0: Yeah, and thanks for sharing that. You know, I I don't think society helps at all uh, in in large respect with this like self image issue. I know when I chat with high school students, we always dissect the old Disney movies because uh, we're like looking yeah. at the woman, right? And yeah. not only just how she looks and how perfect she always is, but also the ways that she allows people to treat her. And so there's a lot we can dig into just from. Disney movies, but it was funny the other day I was helping my mother-in-law who is going to be going out and she's going to be one of those concierge nurse practitioners. And she was looking at a competitor's website and there was a clear picture of these women who are probably ballerinas, you know, they're, they're your typical model who are in like seven size, bigger jeans and Mm. they're all holding it up holding them out. Like this was stock photography showing a before and after when, you know, these folks have never had weight issues. And so I personally struggle as a person who is like, constantly trying to influence the youth yeah. with diet culture in general yeah. and so I guess I'd love your perspective on diet culture and do you think it's getting better or worse
1: okay great question and I'm, I'm happy you brought up Disney because actually one of my I wrote a book it's called once upon a diet and it's about the parallels between like dieting dating and romantic relationships and basically where it stemmed from, that whole concept was I noticed women would kind of like jump from diet to diet, hoping each one was quote unquote the one. And I make the comparison that they went around like Cinderella's stepsisters trying to make something fit that clearly didn't. And then from there, that started actually as a TEDx talk, which then turned into a book, which then I was like, oh my God, there's just so many parallels here. There's so much I could go. And then I went through, like through writing my book, I talked about kind of, you know, where my poor, poor body image thoughts came from. And a big part of it was Disney because of the fact that if you look at all the Disney princesses, first of all, it was always about how to get the guy. Mm -hmm. Second of all, all of the Disney princesses had the same hourglass figure and their only difference between the two, between them was really their hair color. Um, So I was never like, I never saw myself in movies. If anything, if you really take a look at diet culture and the, and basically the villain in all of the Disney movies, they're always actually in a bigger body. And it's kind of crazy that, you know, this fat phobia is kind of, we were were taught it and it's something that we learned over time. So anyways, all I to say as, horrible as it is it is a multi-billion dollar industry and it has really caused a lot of harm not just on women men too for sure um but it initially started to target women to make them feel like they needed to fix themselves and instead of like going out in the workplace and doing all these things and you know I could go down a whole rabbit hole there so I'm not going to go that route (laughs) but what I am going to say going back to your question is it getting better I do believe it's getting better but we have a lot more work to do so, and the way I, and and here's the thing, it could be because of the people I follow on TikTok, like, you know, the algorithm, they only show me the good things because of the yeah. things that I like and I don't, you know, uh, you know, adhere to the BS. Um, and I still know all the BS is there and all of that. But I do also believe that at, the reality is, is that although this might have started as targeting women or targeting people to make them feel less than and having to like distract themselves to to make money and go on diets and all the things and like the beauty industry and Mm-hmm. all that. I do also believe that if they're if the goal of the of diet culture is just to take your money, well then they're going to listen to the consumer. So now this is the problem. This is it's a good thing and a bad thing because you know consumer demands are what's going to make people change their messaging. Right, because they're starting to learn that people actually don't want to diet. They don't, they know that diet don't don't does that diets don't work. Excuse me. They know that extreme restriction isn't the answer. They know that not being able to enjoy the foods they love is not going to help them. So this is a good thing because more people are becoming more aware that diet culture is not helping them at all. It's only just pulling them further away from the person they want to be which is a positive thing. The downside to that is that because of the people who initially got into marketing these diet these fad diets and the quick fixes and the detoxes, they all were always about just trying to make money. Unfortunately, what they're doing is they're changing their marketing and their messaging to preach something like food freedom like what we do at Tips with Tony, but then when you Actually, get into it when you actually enter what it is that their planner program is, it's still very much based on restriction, cutting things out, Mm -hmm. following very rigid meal plans. Um, so it's getting better, but we still need to be mindful that just because someone says that it's you know too good to be true, it's probably not too good to be true. Like, there is something we still need to kind of read between the lines a little bit,
0: yeah. And that just makes me think too, we are so inundated with information more than ever before too. Yeah. And so while you're, while you're right, there is actually really good information out there. Whereas I think my mom's generation, she just had like the stick figure woman. And then these three diets that she could follow. Um, but I guess as a registered dietitian, I know for me, like I get overwhelmed by all of the information. So I typically will go to an expert immediately. So like I am connected with a registered dietitian. That's and wonderful. That's years. not
1: common, Amy.
0: Not I know. Common. I was wondering your thoughts on that though. Like how, how does one even begin to like sift through all the information and like, what, what do you advocate for people? Like, I mean, that's
1: why you exist. Like you're here to help them. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful that you understand that. And you realize that I I guess, because here's what's, here's, what's so crazy about what you just said, which is like, and which is going to only drive our points further, which I'm excited about, which is so eating and moving our body is a, what we do. It's a mammal thing. Like all mammals do it. All mammals eat and all mammals move. Yeah, That's what we're intended to do. However, we're the only species that has complicated it so much that we don't know how to eat or move in a way that's actually productive to our well-being. That's, we've overcomplicated things. And so why am I saying that? Because now when it comes down to figuring it out, because it's almost like it should be an innate human experience, we almost think like we can figure it out on our own which would work if we didn't live in a world that's constantly telling you otherwise, mm-hmm. right? So in that sort of sense, you need to go to an expert. Now there's different different levels and varying of, you know, varying of how much you would need to work with that expert. But if you think about it, like someone who, you know, whether you're with your finances, let's use that into the analogy, whether you're like almost about to file for bankruptcy or you're like the elitist of the elite and you're like super, super rich, you probably have or should at any point seek counsel and seek a professional to kind of help you get there. The level at which you're going to work with that professional and what it looks like is going to be very different based on where you're at. But that is going to be an important person for you to speak with in order for you to either get out of your situation or to continue to grow and thrive and and be even better. So I think that it's important for people to realize that if you're struggling with something, it is if you want to get there faster. A lot of people think the quick fix is the the detox, the pill or whatever, but that doesn't ever actually fix anything. So quick fixes literally don't exist. And the fastest way to actually get to your goal is actually working with a professional on your habits, your mindset, your relationship with food, your relationship with body, which seems like it takes a while because it probably, if I'm being completely honest, like to work, if you're working with someone closely, It's probably going to take a minimum six months. I know when we work with someone, we do require a minimum six month commitment just because of the years they have spent dieting and beating themselves up and hating their reflection and like that negative self-talk and being stuck in this cycle. Like even with the best intentions, they're still going to need, you know, at at least six months of support to get out of that. Now, with that said- six months compared to the rest of your life is that's the fast way versus what most people do is they spend decades, literally decades going from, you know, losing weight, gaining it back, losing weight, gaining it back, trying to feel better from bloating and then feeling bloated all the time, like having trouble with their, you know, bowel movements and then it being better, but then it going backwards, like whatever it is, feeling, struggling with fatigue, all the things that they, all these symptoms that are usually related to kind of an imbalanced diet Um, or being stuck in the extremes just continue for years and years and years. And so the fastest way, ironically, is actually doing it the healthy and holistic and balanced way, not the quick, quote unquote, fast way.
0: It always fascinates me too, because you're like, wow, you've literally been in this mindset and probably struggling for 20 years, 10 years, Mm -hmm. and then you assume it's going to fix itself in 30 days. Yeah. Like, I think our mindsets are just so interesting. Sometimes it's like, no, that's probably not the case. I also wonder too, it's like, what even is real anymore? Because with some of this stuff, I mean, gosh, 10 years ago, I was in a Miss Fitness competition and the top five winners were paid from a diet pill to basically give up their Miss Fitness photo. And they were going to Photoshop a before photo. And I just couldn't go through with it. Like I was like, I can't do this. Absolutely not. But my competitor friends did. And when you saw the photo, you're like, okay, well, to me, this looks ridiculous because I know what was going on here. But then I think of all the people that were like, let me buy this pill because this happened to someone.
1: Wow. And then I know it's, oh my God, that's so upsetting because- it's so upsetting. Yeah, you can't believe everything that you see. You really can't, especially on social media. Everything is filtered. Um, and I actually just uh, one of a good like an influencer I follow, she like makes fun of influencers, like you know, like <laughs> fitness influencers. Yeah. But like and she'll but because she tells you what's up, like and she's seen it and like Because of the trend, and this is how ridiculous this is getting, this is where even like kind of like the intuitive eating food freedom space, even that has becoming diet culture like ask in some sort of way, because- it's like people just don't know how to just be themselves and be authentic and that's truly how That's what like I hope to get people to understand yeah. is that you don't need to change everything about yourself in order to be worthy of love and acceptance like you are beautiful as you are and then if you choose to change yourself, cool, but let's make sure it's coming from a place because like you're cool and special, not because you hate yourself, like that's a very different method, message. But anyways, I'm going to try to share this really quickly without butchering it because it's not my story, it's, it's my the story that I was following. But basically basically she knew someone very closely that had gotten um, a butt, butt surgery and had gotten her butt done and then came out with a booty boosting fitness workout come on and on um, and then and then posted about the fact that she wanted because she had herself had never had that like drastic it had never had felt like how it felt like to you gain weight or whatever or to be overweight and then to lose weight. She was always just fit. She was never like always naturally thin, right? So I think even before the butt surgery, she also was like, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna like overeat, kind of like <clears throat> almost like the um like the McDo- oh God, with the McDonald's one where they gain weight, supersize me. Supersize me. So I mean, like something like that. So she like did that and then she did this transformation, quote unquote, and then got a butt surgery and then came out with a booty popping workout or whatever. It's actually sickening. It's,
0: dear listeners, this is why I go to an expert. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> this is it. It's because, actually
0: brutal. Oh my <laughs> gosh. And Yeah, like, oh my gosh, that is just mind-blowing. Okay, well, now that we've gotten through that part, which clearly we just need to take everything for what it's worth on every other platform we're probably comparing ourselves with. hundred um, percent. I would love to start understanding your philosophy on how somebody does start to think about having a better relationship with Mm. food. I come from, you know, a family that all have very unhealthy relationships with food and it's mm. almost so paralyzing for them to yeah. even think about making a change. They're yeah. scared of certain foods. It's wild. Here I am like why are you scared of this food? Yeah but I would love to just hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. Oh god. Okay. So it's obvious it's a process. I'm gonna start with that. So I'm gonna teach you guys some things right now. But like, you might want to re-listen to this, slow it down, be patient with yourself, give yourself grace because you've been taught these messages for years. So you need time to like unlearn them. So the first thing is really breaking, um, breaking down this whole concept of the idea that there's no good or bad foods, or you think that there's good and bad foods. So very often we think like, oh, I can't eat cookies. They're bad for me. Mm -hmm. Or, um, um, eating ice cream is not good or whatever it is. And, and the whole concept, like what I really like to try to explain whenever I get the opportunity. So thank you for having me on the podcast where I can really like talk through this, Yeah, which is like when, when as a, as a kind of like, I don't even like to say anti-diet. I'm a mindful eating dietitian. I don't really believe in diets. I'm not 100% anti-diet, but let's just for the argument's sake, let's say for as an anti-diet dietitian, when I'm saying there's no good or bad foods, I'm not here telling you that eating cookies every day, all day, all the time, it's going to be better for you than eating, you know, a balanced diet with like that has veg- fruits and vegetables, right? So I'm not saying if something isn't good or bad that, that a cookie is less nutritionally dense than broccoli let's say okay but what i am saying is that you're not a bad person because you had a cookie mm-hmm. and when people think that they did something bad and they get those feelings of guilt and shame it usually leads to the extreme so for example that one cookie or that sleeve of cookies or the or the couple cookies or whatever in their head they're thinking like i'm bad i screwed up i may as well just throw in the towel and start over again on monday that Or they usually say something like, oh, I I screwed up, so now I have to work out twice tomorrow, or now I have to skip my breakfast tomorrow, or now I have to just not eat anything, not have any sweets for the rest of the year, or whatever it is. And it's really, so that's where they kind of get, they get stuck. So in order for you to heal your relationship with food, you first need to understand that there's... Food does not have a moral value. You're not a good or bad person depending on whether you had your vegetables or not. Um, and one cookie isn't the issue, right? It's eating the entire box of cookies after you ignored your hunger cues all day. That's where people really struggle. So if you can really understand that it's really more so about balance. And one thing I say a lot is the second that I started focusing on how food made me feel instead of instead of how it made me look, that's when I was able to find balance in my eating habits. So. If you can trust that if you listen to your body and you eat balanced meals and you eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full, and you do things like hydrate with water and get adequate sleep and manage your stress, and you really focus on just like, how do I feel my best? How do I wake up every day with the most energy? How do I get through the day with the most energy? How do I feel? Well, you know, when I exercise, am I exercising too much? Am I not exercising enough? Am I not taking any rest days? Am I not fueling appropriately? Right. The more you start to listen to how you want to feel, the more than you ironically then start to like make changes that are usually more balanced. And then, yes, your your appearance might change, but that's not the main focus. And I think that when you recognize that food has a purpose and food is fuel and food is nourishment and it protects us from a bunch of different diseases. um, But it's also can be pleasurable and it's also okay to eat just because like it doesn't always have to have value behind it or like a meaning behind it of like, this is because I'm trying to prevent cancer. or This is because I'm trying to, it can just also just be like, this is just because I want to have joy for this moment and it be a moment and then move on. Right. So that is kind of like where you need to start is your mindset and really kind mm-hmm. of unpacking where are these message coming from, where have these messages been coming from and how can I look at it differently? Um, and then you can then start to kind of look at your body. I actually, I usually have people start with their food first because healing your relationship with your body and improving your body image has so many other layers to mm-hmm. it. So usually let's just fo- focus on your habits and let's focus on um, really like countering any of those negative thoughts around food and then go from
0: there. Wow. That is incredible. Actually. Um, I was, I I was going back to so many childhood moments when I hear, I always heard that phrase, like, well, I was bad. So now I'm going to eat the whole bag of candy for halt, right? Like Mm -hmm. we can't just have a few. And -hmm. then it's so funny. People ask me all the time, like, why are you having that ice cream cone? And I'm just like, because I want the ice cream cone. And I, it's interesting when I start to pay attention more to the people around me asking me about food choices. And so I think that that's so interesting. That leads me into like layer two of the question I just asked you before. If you're a parent, how can you be more aware of like passing these toxic habits or thoughts about food to the children? Because I just started to realize it at 41.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful question. I actually get this question a lot and the answer probably a lot of people don't want to hear because I think it's going to be some <laughs> way that they can speak to their child in some way that, you know, advice I'm going to give them about how to treat their child. And really, although there are some answers there, the real answer is healing your relationship with food and healing your relationship with your body and setting a positive example and being that role model. They will see it, they will feel it, and they will pick up on it. So you can, okay, yes, there are tactical things like should you comment on your kid's food No, should you? uh, You may like really. You shouldn't comment on their body. Really, shouldn't try to comment on their food too much. It really depends on the person and the kid. So I even try to get away from giving blank advice because so many kids are so different. Um, But the reality is, is that if you really want to help them have a healthy relationship with food and body, you need to have a healthy relationship with your food and your body. So the best thing that you can do is work with a registered dietitian or a body image expert or both or a therapist or both or whatever. Um, And really heal your relationship with food and and act like watch them, you know, they need to see you be able to eat a cookie or two or three, but then stop there right? You don't need to hide your binges, um, just eat the food in front of them and help them see it's okay. And then you, but you also eat your vegetables and you also eat balanced meals and they want maybe watch you exercise, not to a point where like you can't do anything else. And you're a raving B I T C H. If you don't exercise, (laughs) like you just like they watch you exercise. And they also know that some days you take rest, like they watch, you know, they observe it. So the best way I think you can, um, help your children is by helping yourself.
0: Yeah. That's great advice. I have to also ask one more follow-up question just to do like the burnout plug, seeing as that's what I help most folks overcome. Um, and I have been there myself. And so um, if I think about one of the most common unhealthy coping mechanisms that my clients and most of the workshops, it's emotional eating through the stressful periods. And then you find that a client's telling me that they've eaten like a whole box of cereal and can almost not even remember doing it and whatnot. And so I wonder your thoughts around stress and emotional eating and how, How we can start to, like, really become aware of that when we're already in a very stressful time, perhaps?
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. Such a great question. Okay. (laughs) So this is actually our specialty. This is what we help our women with is when they're struggling with emotional eating. Some people call it binge eating. They're not always the same, um, but it's usually kind of, like, that mindless eating, the sitting after, like, what did I I just eat? Why did I eat Uh that? I feel completely bloated. Like, oh, my God. Like, I don't feel like myself. I'm just – turning to food because I just want to check out. Those are the type of people that we help. Um, and it, it usually stems from two reasons. So I if I could draw for you guys listening, I would, but just picture in your brain a Venn diagram. So a Venn diagram are those two circles that overlap each other, right? And then they have that middle things that they share. So one Venn diagram is what we call your physical hunger. That's where the diet culture sets in. That's what it tells you to cut out whole food groups, to under eat, to skip meals, to under fuel, the very rigidity of, you know, also potentially imbalance of nutrients, right? So that's physically where we will be hungry. Then we have the other side, which is our psychological hunger. That is from pouring from an empty cup. That is from delegate, not delegating. That is from not setting boundaries. That is from never, you know, not managing your stress in productive ways, right? emotionally being drained or fatigue or whatever. So that's your psychological hunger. Where people get in the most trouble is when they overlap. That's what I call the danger zone. The danger zone is where 99.9% of the women that we work with when they first start working with us are trying to live in. It's like they're trying so hard to have more energy and to feel good in their body and to have all these health goals but they're not taking care of their mental health or their physical Mm -hmm. health and they're starving psychologically, emotionally, physically, all the things. So where I mentioned before we usually start with is their food is working on that relationship with food and really just making sure they're eating enough during the day because very often there's a big pattern of either under eating during the day or under eating during the week and then overcompensating on the weekends and so um basically if we can just first start start on the physical by fueling properly like having a balanced meal breakfast lunch and dinner snacks in between if necessary um Quickly, I'll just say a meal is not a banana. A meal is not a yogurt. A meal is a combination of something that has a carbohydrate, a protein, a fat, and then a fruit or a vegetable. So that is a whole meal. So very often people will say, Well, I did eat breakfast or I did eat lunch, but their breakfast was a banana and their lunch was a salad with no protein on it. Like that is not a full yeah. meal. Right. And so then they're wondering why they're snacking, you know, at three, four o'clock or or binge eating at night after they finally put the kids to bed, right? So I think it's important to, if you can first focus on that, then we can clearly identify that when you go to sit down at the end of the night after the kids are to bed and all the things that if you're still feeling that urgency or that need to eat, but you really are physically full, it's now it's clear. It's like, I'm not Hungry, like I'm. I'm really. This is just an emotional thing. Like I really am, just trying to soothe. So what can I do? And so that's when I created the pause method. So the pause method is P: pay attention, A: assess how you feel, U: understand why you feel that way, S: set up a plan, and then E: execute that plan. So yeah. So you got to pause because where people get in trouble is through the impulsivity of things. But if they just take a minute to slow down. And they think, they pay attention, they assess how they feel, I'm feeling super stressed, I'm feeling run down, understand why you feel that way, I never gave myself a break today, I haven't delegated anything in weeks, right, like I'm I'm emotionally exhausted. Okay, set up a plan. Is it the food that really is going to help you right now? For some, sometimes that answer might be yes, but most of the time, if it really is mostly emotional and not physical, then that plan might need to be meditate, go to bed, uh, go for a walk, call a friend, um, take a shower, you know whatever your coping strategies are try to change it instead of using food to cope or alcohol to cope right a lot of people will do that let's mm-hmm. let's explore other ways and it's going to be really uncomfortable but the more you then execute that the better you're going to feel and if you can practice using the pause method on a regular basis it actually becomes really easy. you can quickly identify this is not physical hunger. This is psychological hunger. I know my body's telling me this, but actually I really don't want that. What I really want is to take a bath. What I really want is to go to bed. What I really need is a hug from my husband, whatever it is, like you're going to be able to identify it a lot, a lot faster. Um, so for those who are struggling with emotional eating, you know, the, the best thing you can do is fuel yourself. And then also proactively, Put in those things to manage your stress. And then when you're in the moment and you're, you know, you did all the proactive things, but you're still struggling, use the pause method.
0: My gosh, I love the pause method. (laughs) I have pause on my Instagram, but really I'm a believer of just slowing down and taking a moment to reflect. Yeah. And I think that that's so similar. It's like, gosh, if we knew how much we really had control over, if we just stopped for a second and had some self-awareness, it's like incredibly life-changing. And so I love that you shared that. Thank you so much for that. You're so welcome. That is like so actionable for people.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So one of the other questions I feel like we we see it everywhere is like, how have you put yourself first? And like when I coach a lot, I'm like, how are you putting yourself first? And so how do you view the relationship somebody has with food? In putting themselves first.
1: Oh my god, it's literally everything. I mean, first of all, like so many people, like it's so trendy now to not eat breakfast. It's always been a thing that, like, <laughs> it's literally, it's always been a thing that just like women didn't do. And then intermittent fasting came about, and it was like, oh, okay, cool, I don't need to eat breakfast. But then those are the same women that I'm talking about that binge eat at night or or emotionally eating or like struggling and feeling out of control around food. So if you are that person, you need to eat breakfast. Actually, everyone should eat breakfast because food is fu- fuel, and food yes. is nourishing. And it's an opportunity for your body to get in nutrients to prevent disease and to give you energy throughout the day. So with that being said, one way you can put yourself first is eating breakfast. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> like It's that simple. And here's the thing. When it comes to mindful eating, which is what I, which is what we teach at Tips Tony is like Although yes, if you need to like eat it while you're running out the door, that's probably better than not eating anything at all. But the one thing that you can actually do is before you even get the kids ready, before you even like get ready, you know, get, leave the door to go to work or whatever it is. If you can just take, it literally takes, you know, I don't know where this whole idea is like eating takes forever. Like It takes five, <laughs> I, I can finish a sandwich, I can finish like, uh, like a hard boiled egg on a whole grain toast with like, yes. you know, hummus and like everything but the bagel seasoning. Like that is pretty much what I had this morning. So I'm like, thinking, I'm like, what did I eat today? I think it probably took me five minutes and that's being generous. I guess you should eat slowly, blah, blah, blah. But I don't, but I also, <laughs> at least I sit and I'm still mindful, right? It's still something that I'm doing in in silence,
0: <laughs> like, yeah.
1: right? Like before the hustle and bustle of things. Um, and it's, it's just a way to like, okay, I put myself first, I'm fed, and now I can take care of other people, (laughs) right? I have energy. uh, And now I can use that energy to take care of other people. Um, So yeah, then going back to also to the Venn diagram that I shared, if you want to stay out of the danger zone, you know, one really great way is like, let's take care of our, our physical needs first. And then that actually ironically will make us feel better emotionally. And then we can even even tackle our emotional needs. And then that's the the beauty of that's what I true that's what I think true health is. And a lot of people miss that. They usually think one is like in sacrifice of one for the other. And it doesn't have to be that way.
0: No. And thank you for being my hero today. And <laughs> I am so happy you brought up the breakfast thing. How did I become like my family has interventions with me like, oh, Amy's eating breakfast again. She's the only one that wants to eat breakfast. I'm like, I'm the one that's probably doing this the right way by eating
1: breakfast. Yeah. It's why, you know, it's, you know, what's crazy. This is where, why we really like, I have so many things going on in my head right now that I want (laughs) to share. Um, so disordered eating. So disordered eating and an eating disorder are very different. So as a registered dietitian, I do work with people who have been diagnosed with eating disorders. Um, however, a majority of our practice is we work with people who struggle with more of what's called disordered eating. So they might have characteristics of an eating disorder, but it's not like 100% that because unfortunately the diagnostic criteria It's almost like too granular and it makes it like really hard to diagnose people. And then people fall through the cracks and then until they're like have a full-blown eating disorder, then they can get help and it's just not cool. So we work – there's like a spectrum. So let me just describe to you some of the characteristics of someone who struggles with disordered eating. Okay. Um, They are – feel preoccupied about food in their body. So meaning it, it's like all they think about, they're constantly like checking themselves in the mirror. They're struggling with getting dressed in the mornings. They're thinking about what to eat, when to eat, how much to eat. It's like all consuming. Um, they um, skip meals intentionally. They cut out whole food groups. So they might say, I don't eat carbs or I don't eat sugar or blah, blah, blah. They, fruit's like bad. You know, fruits bad. Fruits Yeah. They don't, don't eat fruit because it's bad for them. Quote unquote. Um, they might exercise to make room for food or to beat themselves up if they had too much food. Um, they might feel like there's specific rules related to eating. Like they're not allowed to eat after 8 p.m. or whatever it is. like, And they have to follow that. And if they don't, they somehow failed, right? And so these are people who are struggling with disordered eating. Now they might also have eating disorder. They might also have an eating disorder and that's a little bit more specific, but mostly they're in that disorder. Wow. Eating. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is because a lot of those things that I described are very quote unquote normal today. That is literally what most people do. That is like normal. But I think it's important that we have to challenge the norms that just because something is normal, that doesn't make it right. Right. There's a lot of things that are normal that I really don't agree with. Like, I mean, I I don't want to go on a bazillion tangents, but like, the fact that like, it's normal to spend like over $100,000 to take, put a kid in college, that's not even going to use that degree. Mm-hmm. I think it's ridiculous. I think mm-hmm. I'm a registered dietitian. I had to go that route. So I had to do it. But I know my sister, who's been a hairdresser for 20 for you know 12 years, and probably will be a hairdresser for another 12 years, didn't have to go to college to do what she's doing now. Right? Like, and the fact is, like, and she was shamed for not going to college. But yes. I think that that should be, that's normal. I think it should be the normal. I think the normal should be, like, if you know what path you're going to go on, if it doesn't require a four-year degree of putting yourself in debt, that shouldn't be a thing that you have to do, right? So, like, just because people skipping meals is normal, that doesn't make it right.
0: Yeah. And actually, what I'm just thinking about nonstop right now after listening to the list and everything is that we forget that we're like custom, we are unique, individuals. And like, I just think of my own journey between like having some health issues and the fact that like I once did food sensitivity testing. And I remember like being a part of a CrossFit gym, like 10 years ago where they were like, follow the paleo diet and Mm -hmm. here's all the things. And I've turned out cauliflower and chicken are like my highest reactive foods. Mm -hmm. So I wondered why I was so sick that entire Mm -hmm. time. And so Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's such a slippery slope to be following all of these
1: like rules because were unique a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah like that's what's everyone is so individualized and they that's there's no one size fits all approach and everybody wants to just know like what to do and it, it just it just doesn't work that way
0: no so I guess that leads me to my final big question for you and that is these lifestyle diets because they have almost like a different place in my mind in diet culture mm-hmm. it's like a lot of times they're like well i mean even to some degree i think like there are there are vegan rules and restrictions yeah. that are just yeah. very so what's how do you view like the keto paleo all of these like lifestyle diets
1: yeah <sighs> that that kind of goes back to like what i mentioned in the beginning About how it's like diet culture is getting better, but it's also getting worse in the sense Mm -hmm. that now more people are just kind of finding out people don't want to diet into lifestyle and they're slapping it on their marketing and,
0: you know, hiding
1: a diet's being hid behind it. So a true lifestyle is literally something that you can do for the rest of your life. What that means is you can take it on vacation. You don't have guilt during the holidays. It's something you can do all year round, wherever you are doesn't matter the time yeah. of year, the time of day, the, you know, if whether you're traveling in Japan or, <laughs> you know, the United States in a different state or mm-hmm. um, Italy or France, It it's, it's part of your lifestyle, which means that it can be, it's flexible and adaptive enough where it doesn't require a whole lot of stress to make it work. If it only works, if you hang out in one community, is it is, is that like I don't know that's you need to ask yourself your question is that is something you want for the rest of your life to only hang out with one community some people do choose to do that I like to diversify, diversify myself I like learning from other cultures I like mm-hmm. trying new things and trying new foods but listen even within that there are certain parameters or things that you know I think there's a like just to kind of go back like we're not saying like you know, everything's a free-for-all because then you're never gonna feel good and you're never gonna get to your goals and everyone does have that individuality, right? So there's still, it's within your lifestyle, there can still be structure. There's just not restriction, right? There, The structure is actually what frees you. So regardless of who you are, um, like where you're at or who you're with or whatever, like you can still navigate it because you have some sort of guidance that's giving you clarity on what works best for you but it's not something that is just, you know, can only be done in the short term. And, you know, also if you don't even like the other thing, so here's what, here's how I'm going to wrap it up because I think like I could go on for hours about this, but basically <laughs> in, um, I did a TEDx talk um, back in 2019. It's a, it was kind of like a prelude to my book that ended up coming out later that year or the following year. Um, and what I have people do, I elaborate it more in my book. So if you want to learn more, yeah. definitely kept, check that out. It's on Amazon. It's called Once Upon a Diet. But basically in my TEDx talk, I share about three questions people need to ask themselves if they want to break up with that diet cycle. I call it the stepsister cycle because that's a, the analogy I make. But anyways, it's will this last past the honeymoon phase? Do I even like this? And then what lessons did I learn from this? So what will this last past the honeymoon phase is a good question to ask yourself Like before you start something. like Is this something you can see yourself doing for the rest of your life? um, do I even like this is kind of when you're in the middle of it. So like, although you've adapted your whole lifestyle to make it work, but like, maybe you, you don't like it anymore. Maybe it was something that worked at one point, but it's not working anymore. Like, okay. Like that's okay. You don't have to do it forever. You can actually take what you learned, bring it into your future and leave the rest behind. Um, and then that last question, what lessons did I learn from this? That's where you have that period to kind of reflect when you decide like, okay, I actually don't like this anymore. Like, but there were some valuable lessons here and I'm going to use them to kind of adapt and shift and create something new and flexible into my future. So I think that might help people when kind of to decide, like, is this truly for me? Is this my forever partner? Like, is this a person I'm meant to spend the rest of my life with? Or is this kind of just a fling? Or maybe this is uh, a thing that like, you know, maybe they're, they were good for the time being, but we outgrew each other. Okay, cool. Like that happens too. Right. So That's really important. Um, I think when kind of going about it is, you know, being careful, like, and to label something as a lifestyle when in the reality is like, if it's Mm -hmm. cutting out a whole macronutrient, like (laughs) we need macronutrients, like we're that's, it's kind of like telling an herbivore that they need to eat meat. Like what? Or a or carnivore that they have to eat vegetables. It's like, no, actually. Like, as us, we're omnivores. We need to eat all different food groups, mm-hmm. all macronutrients, and that's how our bodies are designed. Now, the types of food within them, sure, those might vary a little bit based on your digestibility and certain things, but you can't – we we will function more optimally if we're getting macronutrients, carbohydrates, protein, and fat for all human beings, unless you have – like. A specific condition that it was very, very rare um, that would warrant otherwise.
0: That was probably the best way I've heard lifestyle diets uh, ever <laughs> explained. So thank you for that. you also another plug as to why it can be so powerful to work with an expert like you, because even for me who's gone on multiple elimination diets, that is not how my life is intended to be on that right. very restrictive diet. Right. I had a guide who restricted the foods for the period of time to learn whatever they needed to learn. And then we slowly incorporated them back, but left to my own devices on something like that, that could have become so paralyzing. I could see how I could almost have been on that forever and been scared
1: to death of food. A thousand percent. I I write, I write a section about it in my book, which in about like Whole30, because that's basically what you described, what you did with a professional. People will read a book like Whole30 and try to do it on their own. And that is where they destroy their relationship with food in their body. And now they have more food fears and worse gut issues than they had before. They're restricting things that they don't need to restrict. Um, and that's something that I do not recommend doing unsupervised.
0: Okay. Well, that was amazing. I appreciate every bit of insight. And I have to ask you the last two questions I ask every single guest on the show. So the first one is what's one thing you used to value that you no longer value?
1: Oh, i I think other people's opinions.
0: I love that one. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Me too. I would say but- other, I, I value the opinions of like my loved ones. Like I don't want to say like, I don't care what other people think that when, when there's someone that's Important to me, like you know, but when it comes to like the general public, like I don't, I used to change my whole appearance because I thought I needed to look a certain way in order to be like for people to respect me as a registered dietitian.
0: Yeah, I totally I get it, that. and I, <laughs> love it. I love it. And then, what, what's one bit of advice you would give the younger Tony?
1: Oh, that you're perfect as you are, and you don't need to change that. Yes, yeah.
0: awesome. Well, where can <laughs> listeners get in touch with you if they want everything? all the goodness you have to offer yeah
1: well that um going back to the whole disney princess idea i actually created a quiz about it so you can figure out which disney persons Bye. you eat like if you go to tips it'll pop up and you can take that quiz um i'm big on instagram it's where i hang out the most at tips underscore with underscore tony with an i i have my book on amazon it's called once by once upon a diet and if you're interested in one-to-one coaching you can just go to my website and click the coaching tab and apply
0: Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you've shared. I love the actionable tips and you are just a wonderful spirit. Thanks so much Uh, for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Okay. So I hope you love that episode, but I'm actually on the tips with Tony website right now, and there is a part on the homepage called which Disney princess do you eat like? And it is fantastic. She has a quiz. And so I just think everybody should take it, but her website has such a plethora of amazing information. I love her videos because they are real and there's actionable insight to every single video that she provides. And so if you enjoyed today's episode, all of the information about where to get in contact with Tony is going to be in the show notes. Make sure you take a look there. And as always, you know where to find me on Instagram at life on my terms, podcast or at project Amy, or feel free to email me at info at And until next time, try not to be on a diet. How about that? And also live your life on your terms. I'll chat with you next time.